0: We're looking at a, at a series, we're, we're just looking at what the Scriptures teach about the Holy Spirit. We're calling this Come Holy Spirit. Last week we began to talk about the endowment of God's power. and We talked about the indwelling of the Spirit last week. And with the indwelling, when a person comes to Jesus Christ in salvation, they are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit baptizes that believer into the body of Christ, okay? Here's the bottom line. If the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell you then you are not a part of the body of Christ, therefore you are not saved. Okay, That's what the Bible teaches. But then the Bible moves on and it it begins to talk about other things. It talks about other ways that God endows us. And so we're going to talk about one today. I'm just going to warn you up front, this is going to make some of you uncomfortable and and that's okay. It's okay to be uncomfortable in church. It's okay to have your theology and your beliefs stretched. It's okay to question things. And so we're going to do that today. But we talked a little bit last week about that power is the ability, it's the strength, it's the capacity to do something. When somebody gives you a, a responsibility to do something, you need the power to accomplish that. You need the authority to carry that out. And a responsibility without a power to fulfill usually leads to, we talked about this last week, it usually leads to discouragement. And that discouragement, if it's not dealt with, usually leads to rebellion. And and I mentioned this last week. Rebellion can worship. Rebellion can lift its hands. Rebellion can sing with all its heart. But deep down inside, rebellion says, I'm not going to do it the way God says do it. I'm going to do it my way. So discouragement can lead to rebellion, but it can lead to desperation. And desperation is when you get to that place when you are willing to do whatever it takes to take hold of whatever it is you need. And in this case it would be Jesus Christ. To be completely engulfed in Him. You're you're desperate. David was desperate for a touch of God. We forget that the last time David tried what he was trying, which was to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem that they did it the wrong way. And what happened? A guy named Uzzah didn't leave anything but a pair of smoking sandals okay that was all that was left he reached out to to steady the ark because they were hauling it on a wagon instead of carrying it with the uh, with the poles and god smote him he struck him and and david it 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 got david's attention so the next time they bring the ark in, they do it the correct way. And, and every so many steps, they stop and offer a sacrifice. And David got so caught up in it that he, you know, he didn't care anymore that he was a king. He was, he was that shepherd out in the wilderness who had spent so many days and so many nights worshiping God with all his heart. And folks, we got to become desperate we got to become desperate. God does not give responsibility without providing the power to fully accomplish that responsibility. He doesn't ask us to do things that we can't do in His power, okay? Now yes, there are things He asks us to do that seem impossible, but He gives us the power and the person of the Holy Spirit to carry those things out. Yet most Christians are not accomplishing even the simplest of their responsibilities. I mean, we've been left here, folks. That's why we're still here is to carry the gospel. It's to is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We're not doing that. Why? Why? Well, powerful's not really a word that most Christians or most people outside of the church would use to describe what we might call an average Christian. Powerful is not. One of those words, yes, and and, and I know some of you think, well, the reason we don't have that kind of power is because, hey, there's spiritual immaturity and and there's a lot of unconfessed sin and and there's wrong thought patterns. You know what that's true, but the early church struggled with the same thing, okay? Read your New Testament. that's why Paul wrote those letters to correct those things. they had in the very first church, they had a couple that lied. In, in the very first church, they had issues with brothers that were Gentiles and weren't Jews. They, they had those issues. They still struggle with the same thing we struggle with, but those things didn't hinder the church at large. Those things didn't keep them from doing what Jesus called them to do and turning the world upside down in less than 300 years. Those were things they dealt with. They, 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 they created issues, but they dealt with those issues, Folks. They didn't let those things become the atmosphere of their ecosystem, their, relig- their, their spiritual e- ecosystem. Power not weakness was the air that they breathed. They, they were weak in their flesh but they were empowered by God and they walked in that power day in and day out. Yet today today, the majority of what we know and what we call Christian is let's just be honest, it's anemic, right? It's, it's powerless. Well y'all, y'all, would you agree? I mean, what I see and what I read, there's a great gulf between that. And there's something is either wrong with what this book says, which I don't happen to believe, because I believe this book is inerrant. I believe it's inspired. I believe it's infallible. I don't believe it can lie. I believe what happened here can happen here. So there's either something wrong with the book or there's something wrong with us. There's something wrong with with what we have believed instead of what the Bible teaches. Now, I mentioned I believe the Bible's inerrant, but our belief systems on the other hand are not inerrant. Okay? What we believe may or may not be true. It doesn't matter how much you believe something if what you believe is not true. You can be sincere. But if it's not true, it's not true. And so this morning I want to challenge, and I I apologize if I pop and crack. I I don't really know what it is. So Tom doesn't know what it is, I don't know what it is. We're just going to say it's the devil and he wants to get your mind off what I'm teaching about this morning, okay? We're not going to give him any glory. We're not going to give him any space. But I want to challenge your beliefs this morning in some areas, okay? Uh, I just want to challenge them. I want you to think about them. I want you to realize that you may get a little uncomfortable this morning because I want to, I want to cause you to question maybe some major points of the theology that most of us have been taught about the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand something. Questioning is not a bad thing. It's not a lack of faith. I mean, the Word of God says test the spirits. Question. Investigate. I love to talk with, with college age young people. Because I can't tell you how many I've had come to my office and say, hey, you know what, I'm not sure I really believe in God. So really? Tell me about that. And then they'll go into a, a thing about this and this and this. And I, lo- I enjoy that because they're questioning mama and daddy's faith and they're trying to find their own faith. They know there's a God. I've never met one yet that didn't know. They're just struggling. They're questioning. So questioning is not a bad thing. Because if we question we will find the truth. And, and, and Jesus has told us to seek the truth. Last week we learned that, that the Spirit of God comes to indwell us as believers. He comes at the moment of salvation. He baptizes every believer into the body of Christ, into Jesus. And that's the Spirit there is the agent of the baptism. He does the baptizing there when we're indwelt. But the Bible also teaches That the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus will be baptized and I'm going to use the exact words that it uses in the Greek. In, by, or with. You can choose whichever of those words you like. Which preposition? In, by, or with. But in, by, or with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, and you've heard me use this verse several times, but this verse gripped me several years ago, but John the Baptist prophesied in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. He said, he, and he's talking The who's the he there? Well, it's the Messiah. Well, we know based on what John said and what John did that he believed the Messiah to be who? Jesus. Jesus was and is the Messiah. And so when he says he will baptize, he's saying Jesus will baptize you with, in or by, okay, the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire are not two different things. There, they're connected by an and. There's no the before the fire. There's no the fire. It's just the Holy Spirit and fire. So they 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 they're the same thing. And in Acts one five, Jesus declares this. He said, "For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized." with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus himself says that. Now John's already told us that Jesus is the one who's going to baptize. Okay? He's going to baptize his followers in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the baptizer here. Then Jesus speaks for the last time before he ascends into heaven. And he speaks these words. And and listen to me, a person's last words are very, very important. Okay? Okay? They're, very, they're, the, they're the thing that that person wants you to remember. And so this is what Jesus says. He says in Acts 1.8, he says, But you will receive power. Okay, I, that's what we're talking about. Power. Power to do what he's given us Uh, responsibility to do. Power to carry out the the taking of the gospel into the world. Power to live the Christian life. Power to be a godly husband or a godly wife or a godly son or daughter. Power to be a good neighbor. Power to be a, a good employee. Power to be whatever it is you need to be so that you imitate Jesus. He says, but you will receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he says what will happen. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You will be a declaration of who I am. They will see you, but they will experience me. They will see me through what you do, what you say, how you love, how you treat people. They will see you be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, that's where they were at, in Judea that was their country, in Samaria, oh my gosh, that's where none of them wanted to go. And he doesn't stop there to the remotest parts of the earth. Now most of the church has made Pentecost all about the birth of the church. Okay? And and I'm okay with the birth of the church being at Pentecost. I I don't have an axe to grind there, but that's not what it was about. Okay? It was about the empowerment of God's people to complete the work that Jesus had given the church. That's what Pentecost is about. We celebrate the moment but we don't seek the source of the power that Jesus promised. We we look back and we look at Pentecost and we think, wow, that's when it all happened. But Jesus is very clear. He says, and and I'm going to paraphrase what he says. He says, I'm about to plug you into a power source you can't even imagine. When that moment takes place in your life, you will be different. You won't be the same. I mean, you just look at the people that were in that room. Peter. After Pentecost, when he comes out of that room, he's not the same. Oh, he's still got some of his, his problems, but he's totally different. He, he's not dying Jesus anymore. He's standing on the steps of the temple preaching to the very people who crucified Jesus. John and James, they're not ag- arguing about which one's going to call fire down anymore. They're just just demonstrating Jesus and so they were different. And, And what Jesus is saying is when that moment takes place in your life, you're going to be different. And as you read the opening chapter of Acts, you find these disciples, the disciples who believed Jesus and did exactly what he commanded them to do. That 120 people, you find them gathered in one room with one mind and one purpose and they're praying and they pray for 10 days. Okay? How many of you ever prayed for 15 minutes? I, and I'm, I don't, I'm not... I'm, it's a long time. You ever tried to pray an hour? My gosh! It's a long time. They prayed for 10 days. Now, I'm not naive enough to believe that they prayed around the clock for 10 days. I believe they ate... And they rested and they went to the restroom and they slept. But there was a prayer meeting. There was somebody praying continuously. They they weren't there to study the Bible. They weren't there to preach. They were there to pray. And so they were praying. And listen, they weren't crying out for the restoration of Israel as a nation. That's not what they were praying about. They weren't crying out for their safety. They weren't crying out for comfort. They were crying out for the promise that Jesus had given them which echoed a promise that they carried in their hearts every day. And that promise is found in Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and 29. And that promise was about to be f- fulfilled. They just didn't realize that. Joel chapter 2 28 says, "...and it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind, on all human beings, male and female, young and old, slave and free. And, and your sons and your daughters, you know what? They're going to prophesy. They're going to hear what God says, and they're going to say it. And your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And even on your male and your female servants, I will pour out my spirits in those days. They were crying out the promise of Ezekiel chapter 36. Verse 26 through 27, "...Moreover, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you." You see, the same promise that Jesus had made these disciples was the same promise that God the Father had made to all His people in the Old Testament. These men and women, these 120 men, they were believers. They didn't become believers on the day of Pentecost. Do you understand that? They were believers all along. It happened all along their their way as they followed Jesus. They they gave themselves over to the Lord. They, They left their stuff. They were believers. They were born again in the moment they put their faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what? They were just regular people like us. They had bills to pay, mouths to feed, things to take care of, more responsibility than they had time in a day to do and yet they committed themselves to follow Jesus. They placed their faith in Him and now He's gone. Okay? Now what they had been able to do in His presence they weren't sure they could do anymore. But He told them, you know what? I'm going to give you the power of the Spirit and you'll be able to accomplish all that I've told you to do. Now, has anything changed? Is that not the same world we live in? How many of you have more responsibility than you have time or money to take care of? How many of you have more hands reaching for something than you have the power or the energy to give? How many of you struggle just being, having a smile on your face and being sweet to your spouse or your children? How many of you, I mean let's just be honest here, okay? How many of you get ugly every once in a while and say something you wish you hadn't said? Or act like an idiot when you wish you hadn't act like, do any of y'all do that? How many of you struggle with just I mean you know you need to share Jesus with this guy. You know this is a divine moment and everything in the world that can tell you not to do it starts to crowd into your head. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We live in the same world. You say well uh, we don't have an emperor. Well listen we almost do. Okay? We almost live in a country that, where, where there's no checks and balances anymore, okay? We live in a country where, where the different kind of lifestyles that were rampant in the Roman Empire are rampant in ours. We don't live in a different world, alright? And if they needed power beyond themselves, folks, we need power beyond them, ourselves. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit just like they did. Nothing has changed. They had a promise and they prayed. And they waited. You know what we do? We hustle somebody down an aisle. We take that promise, we shove it inside, we pray for 30 seconds, we push them through the waters of baptism, then we put them in a position of service and we tell them they got it all. Everything they need when they came to Jesus. And we wonder why we're in the place that we're in. And you know what happens? Some of those people meet Jesus. And some of them don't. Some of them would think they do. But they didn't get everything they needed and they may not have met Jesus in the process and rarely if ever do they experience the the baptism that Jesus was talking about. That, that, That baptism in or with or by the Holy Spirit. They may be saved, I'm not arguing that, but they're not empowered. They're like a Maserati without a battery. Looks good. I mean you can crawl inside and you can smell that leather interior. You can go around and talk about how powerful it is. You can open the trunk, check the oil and all that. It looks good. It's, it's shiny. It's new. It's got, I don't know how many miles an hour it's got on the, 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 the speedometer. But you know what? When you stick the key in and do this, you know what it does? Crickets chirp. Nothing. Nothing. Folks, we've got a lot of believers who have no power. They pack churches full, they sing to the top of their lungs, but they're powerless. They don't witness, they don't give, they don't get involved, they don't see their prayers answered, they don't know what God's will is. They don't, you can describe them like this, they don't, they don't, they don't. And that's how we've begun to be looked at by society. We are, we are looked at negatively because we don't, we don't, we don't. What do we do? We don't do anything, okay? That's why God poured out His Holy Spirit. That was not what happened to these folks in the upper room. I want you to just this morning, I want you just to close your eyes. And I know this is not the first time you've heard this verse. But I want you to pretend it is. And I want to just read this verse. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared on them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. Each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. This is the very first baptism in, with, or by. Just for, for, from now on, I'm just going to say in, okay? But understand, if you want to say by or with, that's perfect translation. But after this happened, those 120 people were never the same again. Just read the book of Acts. And you know what? It, that wasn't the only time it happened, it happened in Samaria. It was a little different, but the same kind of baptism. It was a baptism of power for service. There are no tongues of fire. There are no sounds. They didn't speak in tongues. Instead Acts 8.17 tells us that Peter and John began to lay hands on these believers and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. The same thing took place that took place in the upper room. It, it happened again. Imagine that. It happens again at Joppa in the house of, of a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Peter is preaching. He's, he's just—he's wearing it out just like I am probably more eloquent and probably louder. He's just preaching his guts out and all of a sudden, boom! It happens right in the middle of his sermon. He didn't get through, he didn't give the invitation, he didn't have ministry time, he didn't say come on down the aisle, let me lay hands on, he didn't say anything, he's in the middle of sentence and boom, it happens. Wasn't he laying on of hands, there wasn't any prayers of repentance, there was no water baptism. And you know what? It created a stir back in Jerusalem when news got back to Jerusalem. It created a stir. And in and, and Acts chapter 8 verse 17, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And Peter, as he's reporting back to his home church there in Acts 11 verse 16, he, he, he goes back. He has to defend himself. He had to defend himself to his other brothers and sisters. And this is what he says, "...and I remember the words of the Lord." How he used to say. So when Jesus said what, he's about, what Peter says, what Jesus used to say, Jesus used to say it over and over and over. I want you to get this, okay? He says, I remember the words of the Lord. How he used to say, John baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that wasn't the first time that they heard it just before Jesus went into heaven. No, this was something Jesus said on a regular occasion. Three times. Well, guess what? It happens one more time. Near the end of the book of Acts. It happens in Ephesus. Ephesus was a pagan Roman city. And it happens to a group of believers who had come to Christ through the ministry of John the Baptist's disciples. They had seen what happened at, at the baptism of Jesus and they had, John had told them that this is the Messiah, this is the one that's going to baptize with fire and he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and they'd gone out. They didn't have all the gospel, they just had a little bit of it. And so they'd shared what they had and guess what God did? He saved some people just with a little bit of the gospel. They had not even ever heard of the Holy Spirit. Now we look at that and we say how in the world can that be true? But sadly most believers in most churches haven't really ever heard of the Holy Spirit. Okay? They know the name but they don't know what he does. They don't know the, the power that, that he is there to give us to live the Christian life. It says this, And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak with tongues, and they were prophesied. The very same thing that happens in some of the other events. So there are four different events where the power of the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus baptizes his believers those that are His followers in the Holy Spirit. We get all caught up with the details of that moment and we miss the moment itself. Well, that's where the church was born. Maybe, maybe not. But that's for sure where the power of God fell so that men and women who are just like us could do what Jesus said do, the greater things, the things that He had done and the greater things. That's where that power came. And for some of those people, it happened at the moment they were saved. And for some of them, it came later. But listen to me, it's not a second work. I want to get this across. I don't believe in the second work. I just believe it's God finishing His work, okay? It's not, I know different groups call it the second work. I don't believe it's a second work. I believe it's the continuation of the work He intends to do in all of our lives. It's God finishing His work. For some of them, it happened through the act of God. It, nobody else had anything to do with it. They're just praying. Or, or, or they're just in the room listening to the preaching. And all of a sudden, it takes place. And for others, somebody laid hands on them and prayed for them. For some, it happened after their water baptism. And for some, it happened prior to their water baptism. For some, there were firework-like manifestations, okay? All kinds of things happened. Rockets went off. I mean, the national anthem played. I'm just being, you know, but it was a moment that it would just, it blew their senses. And for others, it happened very gently, but very powerfully. And for some of them, they knew a lot about Jesus, and for some of them, all they knew was that John said, this is the Messiah. <clears throat> Folks, the issue of that moment is that they knew beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus had baptized them with His Spirit. It was something every, or each believer experienced and knew when it happened. They, they didn't have to say, well, I, I wonder when it happened. They knew when it happened, okay? You ever been shocked? Any of you ever got lit up with a 120? 220? You don't have to wonder when it happens. You know exactly when it takes place. And you know exactly when it quits. Amen? Folks, we're talking about a power source. We're talking about a person whose voltage cannot be measured. Okay? Who who is more powerful than anything that's ever been built by man. Here's the issue. Most believers that I know can't remember when or if it's ever happened. But they've been taught that it automatically happens at the moment they come to Jesus Christ. So they don't worry about it and they may never experience it And that's what I'm talking about this morning. They're indwelt by the Spirit of God, but they're not empowered by the Spirit of God. Which leaves a believer anemic and weak and wishy-washy and listen, a kickball, let's be honest, for the devil. You either are or you're not baptized in the Spirit. You either have God's power or you don't. And it's not about whether you speak in tongues or not, it's not charismatic, it's not Pentecostal, it's not Baptist, it's not Methodist, Messianic, Presbyterian, Reformed, Non-Reformed, or even Non-Denominational, okay? It's about the promise that Jesus has given every one of his followers, and by that I mean individually. You, 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 you. I love what it says, when, when the Spirit comes at Pentecost, he rested individually, Yes, it was corporate, but it was individually. They experienced it individually before they experienced it corporately. It's the promise of Joel. It's the promise of Ezekiel in in every believer. It's individual. And, and, And Jesus said that every believer would receive that empowerment. You know what? It's not based on your righteousness. It's not based on our holiness. It's not based on our good works. It's based on a promise that Jesus gives to every believer right where you are right now. Okay? I've, I've debated whether I was going to share this all week long, but I'm just going to share it. I was saved when I was eight years old. I met Jesus in a little church just like this one, a little Methodist church. Look, just like this church. It was right 500 feet from where I was, uh, where I was raised. In a little church. I met Jesus there. I was saved, folks. I know I was saved. I don't have any doubts. I grew up like most kids. Went to Sunday school. We went to church every time the doors were open. Okay? Every time. And man, packed my head full of doctrine and belief and, and, the, and the hymns. I know the hymns. They're in here. When we start to sing a hymn, man, I, I, can, I can remember the words. They just come back you know what? Wasn't a lot of power. Didn't see a lot of power. Doctrine was what was important. And so I learned doctrine. I grew up, we went from there to a a Baptist church, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I was was called to preach in a a Baptist church, and I've served in one, two, three Baptist churches, okay? But there was a point about ten years ago where I got to the place where, God, I don't see what's happening here happening here. And if all I can tell people to do is read their Bible more and pray more, I quit. I'm going back to plumbing because in plumbing, I can cut it out or beat it out, but I can put it back where it will work. I can fix it. And God, if you're going to put me in a place where you've called me to to help minister to people so that you can fix it, if I'm going to be a tool to do that, I got to have more than I got because all that stuff that I've got up here that I got back there is not helping them. I need something else. And so I begin to pray and I begin to search out Jesus. I begin to fast. I just, I got desperate, okay? I mean, I just will put it in those kind of words. I was at that place where, Lord, we're either going to, I'm either going to find something here. I'm going to turn over a rock. The something I've missed. I was reading the Bible. I was praying. I was going to talk to different people. I was hungry for God, okay? Hungry. And I can remember I was about to to teach a series on spiritual warfare at GFBC in my Sunday school class. And I can remember as clear as yesterday, God says, Nelson, I want you to send an email to this particular pastor. I said, okay, God, he doesn't know who I am and he's pretty busy and I doubt seriously he'll ever answer that email. And so I sent that email into the wind. Now, Most of you don't realize this, but when a pastor pastors a big church I'm talking about a big, big church he doesn't get all his emails, okay? They go through somebody, All right, And and that's just reality, okay? He's got morning handle. I thought, I I don't even have his email address, all I've got is the church. Well, you know, that's basically the garbage can, okay? Where emails go and are never heard from, so I sent that email out well, I got a phone call from his secretary. And she said, you contacted Pastor so-and-so and 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 you said you'd like to come talk to him. I said, yeah, I really would. I believe God's leading me to do that. And so we made an appointment. Transmission in my truck went out. Guess what? Couldn't afford it. (laughs) Couldn't afford to go on vacation. Couldn't afford to be there. So I said, well, God, I I guess I wasn't supposed to do that. He said, send the email again. So I sent the email. And he said, yeah, I'd love to talk with you. Come. And so at that time, that church was in a a revival, and they had been in revival for seven or eight years. Okay? And so he said, "I, I, I usually get to the church before the revival meeting, and I'll be happy to talk with you before that. And so I said, okay, that'll be great. And so in preparation for that, I began to fast. And I began to pray because I knew God had something He wanted to give me. I didn't know what it was, didn't have an an explanation for it. I just knew deep down in here there was something I didn't have that He was going to give me. And so I began to pray and began to fast and I got there and, and that night I got to the church 30 minutes before I was supposed to be there and I was at the door and I met a little man and he began to share with me all the miraculous things that he had seen. And then it was time for the pastor to get there, and he didn't get there. And he didn't get there. And 10 minutes turned into 15 minutes, and then it turned into 25 minutes, and it's five minutes before the sermon supposed to start. And I'm beginning to go, okay, God, what's the deal? And he blows in, okay, and he apologized. And, and I asked him a question or two, and 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 he answered my questions and he's and I asked him would you, would you pray for me I believe the Lord wants you to pray for me and he said well I don't pray back here but I'll pray for you in the big service at the end of it if you'll just come up I said okay so we went to the service and to be honest with you I remember what he preached about but it made no sense whatsoever okay it was you've y'all've heard me preach sermons that made absolutely no sense so I know that it won't <laughs> hurt my feelings I listened to it I took notes and. I looked at it and I thought, "What is this This has nothing to do with why I'm here. I I don't understand this. And so at the end of the service during the ministry time he he asked people to come forward if if they wanted their prayer teams to pray for them. So I went forward and I went around over there where he was sitting. I didn't realize he had a bodyguard. (laughs) He had a bodyguard. (laughs) This guy goes, can I help you? Very nicely. I said, well Pastor so-and-so said if I'd come he'd pray for me. He said, well, I'll tell him, and he will, but he always starts over yonder. Now, y'all starting to get this story. (laughs) Off they go. Here I stand. Lord, I'm desperate. I'm hungry. I'm starving. I'm chirping like a little bird. I don't know what else to do. And on and on and on. And then they begin to call out, if, if you really want somebody to pray for their prayer teams. And I'll give us to the point where God, I don't care if little Miss Mary so-and-so or Mr. John so-and-so pray for me. I don't care. I'm here to get whatever it is you have for me. I'm not leaving till I get it. I was standing against the, this area, the altar. And the altar was probably 25 feet deep, okay? I mean, it was a big altar. area to do a lot of ministry. And I'm telling you, one of these days when we have our own building, we're going to have plenty of room up here because this is where the stuff, the action is supposed to take place in people's lives, okay? The altar is important. And I can just remember I was standing up against the altar, there were people everywhere around me, and all of a sudden I, I just I heard this noise. I didn't open my eyes. I felt somebody just gently touch me on the forehead, Okay? Just as gentle as it could be. And I heard this man begin to pray for me. And my legs began to sway. You ever cut a tree down, and right before you get to that place where that tree starts to fall, it trembles? That's the way I felt. I thought, oh my God, I'm fixing to fall down. I can't, I'm a Baptist preacher. If they find out about this where I came from, I'm going to be a no preacher. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have the, I'm gonna have the flaming sea on my chest. You know, if you don't know what that means, God bless you. But all of a sudden, I, I, I just, I, I mean, I don't remember hitting the floor. Okay, I just never opened my eyes. I remember uh, this pastor. He, he prayed for me. He, touched me, my heart. He touched my forehead. It was the gentlest touch. And he, he I just remember. I don't even remember what he prayed. Okay, I don't. I don't know that I even heard it, but it was the most peaceful place I have ever been. And I just lay there, just lay there. After a while, I heard a voice say, "Look at you, look at you. Come on, fat boy, don't lay here anymore. You're embarrassing everybody here. I mean, I, I knew, and I knew what it was. It was the enemy." And I just, I just refused, and I just, li- I just, I just stayed there, and I stayed there, and I stayed there, and I don't remember how long I stayed there. Okay, and I can remember a nudge from what I think was God. It's time to go. And I raised up, and I bumped my head. You know what I bumped my head on? First row of pews. I'm not sure how I got there. I'm mean, i I, honestly, it's 25 feet to that row of pews, okay? I don't know how I got there. When I got up, I was different than when I went down, okay? I'm not saying you have to fall in the floor. I'm not saying you have to do what I did. I'm not saying you have to do any of those things. I'm just saying that when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit... You'll be different, okay? I don't want to hear how many times you flopped out on the floor, okay? Because I've seen people flop out on the floor and they were just as mean and ugly as they were when they went to the service after the service. I don't want you to tell me, well, I spoke in tongues. Listen, I know people who speak in tongues that are mean and ugly, okay? It's about the promise that God has given us. That first baptism was a universal blessing that was intended for every believer but it's an intensely personal experience from God. And you know what? God may choose to do it differently than He did in me. And He may be, choose to do it differently than He did in those first apostles or that, those people in Samaria or those people there in, in Cornelius' house or the, the, the Ephesians. He may decide to do it differently. That's up to Him how He does it. I'm not among one of the people who believe that when that happens you will speak in tongues, okay? You may. I didn't, okay? I didn't at that moment. Later, God gave me a prayer language, okay? And I use it when I pray, okay? And if that bothers you and offends you, I'm sorry, but it's a gift God gave me to give Him glory, and to give Him praise. And so I use it when He tells me to use it, and I use it how He tells me to do it. But you know what? He may not give you that. You may not speak in tongues. You may do something else. Some of them prophesied. But you know what? You may not prophesy. I don't find it taught very clearly in Scripture that if what I'm talking about happens, you will speak in tongues. Some did. Some didn't. When Paul... When Saul became Paul, this happened. But we don't have any record that he spoke in tongues at that moment. But you know what? Later he did because he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Okay, I don't want to get off on that, but I'm just saying that's just one manifestation of the Holy Spirit that can occur. I don't believe that that particular gift is is proof that you're born again. I, I used to Argue with a carpenter every day on the job. He'd tell me, You're just not saved. You haven't spoken tongues. I said, What makes any difference? Okay, I've got Jesus in my heart. So, listen, I I don't want to go any further with that. I'm going to get away from that. But I'm not impressed by what you do, I'm impressed how you're changed. And see, that's what the Holy Spirit does when He changes you. When He baptizes you in in His Spirit, there's a change. If there's no change, there's no empowerment. And if there's no empowerment, then there hasn't been a baptism. You've got, you may have gotten chill bumps, okay? But that's all that happened. I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon, desperation. I mentioned it last week. Maybe you're frustrated this morning, but you're not desperate yet. Maybe you're trying to do everything that you know to do, everything that you've been told to do, but you're depending on those things. You're depending on what you've been taught. You're not really desperate. Maybe you're convinced that you don't need what I'm talking about. And if, if you, that's the way you feel, listen, it won't ever happen, Okay? But until you get desperate, you won't surrender your will in totality. You may give up a little, but you won't give up everything. Okay? When you give up everything, you know what? Your dignity doesn't matter anymore. What they think or what she says or what he says or what they'll tell so and so, none of that matters anymore. When you get desperate for Jesus, you'll do like David. You'll do like David. And until you surrender until you unconditionally surrender you won't tarry or wait and you won't pray those men and those women in that upper room they prayed for ten days before anything happened they tarried that's what the old folks used to say they tarried they waited they just waited and they waited and they waited and they cried out to God I want you to hear me this morning. I'm not here to force anything on anybody. All right? But if you're desperate, just ask Jesus to give you that power, to baptize you in or with or by the Holy Spirit. Listen to the promise of Jesus and obey it. Here's what Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter thirteen, chapter 11, verse 13. He said, If you then... being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Here's what the book of James says. You have not because you ask not. And some of you haven't asked because you're afraid of what might happen. You know what? What might happen will keep you from experiencing the power that God wants to give you. The person that God wants to flood your soul and your spirit with. I've learned what ifs and what might be don't really matter. It's what is. Okay, It's what is reality, not what could happen. I've also learned that it really doesn't matter what he says or she says or what their opinion is of me. It matters what he thinks. If he's happy, I'm okay. He'll take care of everything else. Folks, I am to the place in my life where I, I, I don't care anymore, okay? I care of one thing, what God thinks. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to, to stay connected. I'm going to do whatever it takes uh, to, to, to walk in the center of His will. I want to do what He said we could do. You know what? I'm not perfect. If you, don't, if you think I am, please form a line right here and just talk to Kathy. She'll tell you I'm not perfect, okay? <laughs> I will, I'm not perfect. I don't act like I should act all the time. I don't do everything that I should do. I'm bad a lot of the times, okay? I say that tongue-in-cheek, but that's reality. But I know that I know I was saved here. And I know that I know God filled me and baptized me in His power and in His Spirit here, okay? I know that. I can go back to both those places anytime I want and remind myself. And He wants to do that with every one of us. What would happen this morning if just in a simple act of desperation, you just surrendered? You just said, God, I give up. Thank you for what I've been taught. Thank you for those men and women who have have taught me and, and brought me to this place. But God, I want what you promised and I'm willing to receive it. I just surrender, I give up. Lord, would you if, if, if you're here this morning and you have an experience, just ask him to do it. Just trust him, and he will do it, okay? John said that he would baptize us in the spirit and with fire and fire. I'm just going to tell you when, when the Holy Spirit takes hold of a man or a woman. They're different, okay? They start to burn. right. You say, well Nelson, what about so-and-so and so-and-so and -and and -and so-and-so? Listen, I can go back through history and name men and women that this happened to. Finney, one of the greatest uh, uh, evangelists there ever was. Said He realized, hey I'm preaching, I don't have any power. He went out in the woods and said, God I'm not leaving until you give me the power that I need. God came. God filled him. He would go in factories and when he walked in the front door people would begin to fall on their knees and cry out for God hundreds of yards in the back of the factory. God has done it and He will do it for us if we'll just ask Him. Okay, Let's pray. Father this morning for more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.